Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a column. I don't believe what I just saw. You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think you got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? You know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. How about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. And welcome one and all In the Booth. On a Monday, a holiday week. And an abnormally... Gorgeous day outside. Temperature in the low 50s, so it's melting some of that snow, and it's going to be the best of both worlds. You're going to have a white Christmas. There'll be a little bit of snow on the ground to make you think about that, but uh, the weather good enough so that all your out-of-town friends and family that are coming in to visit aren't going to bust you too much on how terrible the weather is uh, here in Syracuse. You're going to have to brave the elements. And you're loading up the sleigh and all that good stuff, getting uh, ready for Christmas. You're going to be able to uh, survive it. So uh, today, pretty pleasant. Uh, folks out and about here downtown, the uh, popular uh, couple of restaurants down the street line out the door. Uh, people getting excited. Uh, blowing off work is really what they're doing, let's face it, because uh, I don't think productivity on uh, Monday, December 23rd is an all-time high. The way the holidays uh, fall here, having your Christmas and your New Year's Day on Wednesdays basically shuts down the planet, uh, as, as far as we know it, for uh, the next two weeks. It's a great time to be a sports fan, and uh, hopefully you're caught up. If you're not, if you're like me, if you're not caught up, if you're trying to catch your breath with all that uh, needs to happen here, then uh, we appreciate your listening as you're running to the mall or doing whatever it is that you're doing. Just saw on uh, Twitter somebody reporting from uh, the massive grocery store uh, here in central New York that... Uh, Forget about it, that it is a, uh, a parking lot, uh, both in and out, and uh, gridlock and jammed up. So uh, thoughts and prayers to those folks as they are uh, running around and getting everybody ready for the uh, the meals that we're going to have here in these uh, next couple of days. Tommy's alongside. Brian is making his way back uh, from the women's basketball trip to Orlando. They uh, beat a ranked Michigan State team then Got down 20 against West Virginia, lost that game, so that's not an awesome trip. Um, good to beat the ranked team, but Syracuse ought to be in that same neighborhood as as uh, Michigan State, and then uh, did lose to West Virginia. The Orange uh, taking their uh, may take their lumps here in this period where they're playing all these ranked teams. Uh, five out of six on the schedule at one point against ranked opponents, and the one that's not is Notre Dame, who is a, a year-in and year-out power in uh, women's basketball, so could be a tough go on that side. As for the Syracuse men, we're going to talk with Mike Waters here in a few moments about uh, Orange basketball. The uh, men with a 12-point win against North Florida on Saturday night in the Dome and saw a lot of, oh, should be blowing this team out. Well, this Syracuse team is not going to be blowing a lot of teams out this year, number one. And number two, I think the Twitter fan who says that and, and presses send or exclaims that in the dome or whatever, how about let's just leave open the possibility that maybe you don't know a whole lot about Oakland and about North Florida and about wherever. I'm bracing for uh, one family member in particular who's still going to be stinging that Syracuse lost to a football school. He couldn't name one player ever for Penn State. He couldn't name the coach. He couldn't tell you anything about the season they've had. 
but he knows that historically Syracuse shouldn't lose to Penn State and historically hasn't. And he, you're right about those, but that doesn't necessarily mean this year that the way things are aligning, Syracuse not maybe having its best team or best season, some of these other opponents on a bit of an upswing, the way the game is played, a team that shoots threes as regularly and as well as North Florida does, in theory, could beat just about anybody if they get hot. They made 17 threes in the game. They didn't have quite enough against Syracuse. They don't have a ton of athleticism. There are trade-offs in the way uh, that they play. And the game before, Oakland, they're a better front court team than backcourt. They don't have great shooting, so those are two almost diametrically opposed teams. And yes, there was some back and forth in the first half of the uh, Syracuse-North Florida game, but for the most part, I don't think the home team was challenged uh, in either of those two games, in as much as to say it never was apparent that they were going to lose those games. People don't probably want to hear that, that, hey, yay, we beat Oakland, we beat North Florida, woo. And I'm not here to pump anybody's, uh, puff their chest out or, claim that anybody's having a parade or a trophy presentation for uh, beating Oakland and North Florida. I'm just here to say that what has happened these last couple of games, your 10, your 12-point victory, that's about what it is right now. And you could easily point to a couple twists and turns, particularly in the Oakland game, to show, okay, that was a 12-point win. It could have very easily been 16 or 18, and you'd feel okay about that. You, You certainly wouldn't be pounding your fist against anything or uh, calling the radio shows or upset on Twitter or whatever because they only beat a, a so-called uh, bad team by by 10 or 12. So it's not that terribly far off right now. Uh, Syracuse will have no trouble with Niagara uh, in its next game. Niagara's won only two of 10 so far. They did scratch out an overtime win against Colgate and have not won since. They lost by 20 to Buffalo. Uh, strong feeling that they will lose by 20. Uh, ish to uh, Syracuse and that's the story of that night uh, Saturday night of this coming week will be the return of Greg Paulus the CBA star who uh, opted to play after being the high school football state uh, high school football national player of the year uh, went to play college basketball and uh, learn at the right hand of Mike Krzyzewski and he has followed that path into uh, college basketball coaching and we'll catch up with Greg uh, later in the week so that's uh, sort of setting the theme of uh, what to expect. It will be a short week of programming here, as you're aware, on uh, ESPN Radio, at least uh, for this show. We will not be back uh, the next couple of days as we get uh, a little bit of a breather and then uh, catch up with you here at the end of the week before going into Saturday Night Hoops, and uh, next week we'll follow a similar path. Great time to be a sports fan, though. On Saturday, going into the Dome for the, the basketball game, that was a day of Uh, Three NFL games, six bowl games, lots of college hoops, and uh, that's going to continue for a nice period here. And the way that the the programming kind of breaks out makes for uh, exciting fandom. If you are an NBA fan, you know that uh, Christmas Day is really the grand reopening of any given NBA season. They put together the marquee matchups, including uh, Lakers-Clippers, right, this uh, coming uh, Christmas Day, so that'll be a huge one. And if you're the type of sports fan I am, I don't follow a lot of uh, NBA during the regular season, certainly not as much as you do, Tommy, but Christmas Day, you've had the feedback, you're getting a little tired, you don't need to talk to anybody anymore, you are had enough Bing Crosby already, 
then the, the NBA becomes a little bit more palatable on uh, TV. So I would not tend to go out of my way to find it, but um, when you're you're fighting off, you, you don't think it's uh, socially acceptable to take a nap in front of your family on the couch in in the living room while everybody else is mingling, then you can at least direct your attention toward the NBA game. I've got an uncle that's not too fond of the NBA, but I'm able to get yeah. that uh, on the TV on Christmas Day. Are you a Thanksgiving football guy or an NBA yes. Christmas Christmas Day guy? Yes. In my yes, family, uh, the the particular part of the family that hosts on Thanksgiving is not especially sportsy and doesn't have the tons of TVs and the cable and the whatnot. Um, so I can live without maybe you know the first game or whatever. But uh, we weren't home on Thanksgiving. Um, this year anyway, uh, traveling with the basketball team and as we uh, are every other year or so. And uh, you find a way to, to get it done. But uh, no, NBA coming on, it's, a little, it's just a mix-up in the background music instead of uh, or the background to watch, instead of like the, you know, the fireplace uh, graphic going or the, the Yule Log. Yule Log, you could do, yeah, same thing. Or the, uh, you know, tune it to the Christmas oldies channel where you've got, you know, the all the crooners with with the uh, the Christmas music. After a while, you've had enough of that. You've had the meal. Now you can uh, <laughs> excuse me, throw on a little of the NBA and and get that going. So um, full slate of games. We'll do five games right through all the different uh, time zones. So uh, we will be keeping an eye on that come uh, Wednesday. You mentioned Lakers Clippers, which is the eight o'clock game. LeBron's missed the last couple of games, though, so getting a little worrisome that he might actually miss this Christmas Day game uh, face off with Kawhi, which is obviously a great matchup. True. Coming up. And again, I don't know enough about uh, LeBron's current injury, but I know he recently made some remark about how he wants to play every game this year, and he's going to play if he's healthy and and that type of thing. So I would imagine that uh, he is in the lineup uh, for that one. But I say that uh, with the full admission, I have zero knowledge of his actual uh, injury status. So we'll step aside here. We can uh, chat with Mike Waters. Mike had a nice uh, piece going along uh, today on – Alan Griffin and family, so that's a feel-good Christmas time kind of story. We'll touch with base with uh, Mike on that. Take your uh, questions and comments if you want to chime in by phone at 315-437-7644 if you'd like to do it for ESPN44. If you're on your way uh, to the mall one last time, if you're hunting down one last must-have, either gift item or holiday meal ingredient, you're short just that one thing, and uh, Wifey sent you out to the store if you'd like to commiserate uh, we are here to listen if you uh, want to chime in. Back with more as we roll along. Brought to you by the Hoffman Sausage Company. There's no stress in the Hoffman. You can just take it out of the package, throw it on the grill. It's ready to go uh, for your holiday celebration. This is In the Booth on ESPN Radio. New Sports Talk and ESPN Radio 97.7 at 100.1. In the Booth with Matt Park is brought to you by Hoffman Sausage Company. And we walk you back with the police message in a bottle. Very subtle way to uh, welcome in our friend uh, Mike Waters, brought to you by Oswego County Mutual Insurance. You could send that message along the waters in the bottle. Send out the SOS. Hello, Michael. How are you? Subtle? Uh, man, that, well, that, that, that's a reach, man. Okay, good. Well, I mean, it's not like, you know, Polly had the whole Waters montage uh, for having you on the uh, the broadcast in the past. Um, 
That, I know. That was I know. We a, had everything from bridge over troubled waters to smoke on the water. Yeah. And oh well, maybe next uh, year. Give me some water, some cool, cool water. Uh, any money recently uh, passed away. Anyway, wow. uh, we don't need to be spending a lot of time on that uh, to get rolling here. But uh, I am uh, delirious on cold medicine, so I figure, you know, why not? Uh, <laughs> Why not get uh, sideways for uh, for half a minute or so? Mike's appearance is always brought to us by Oswego County Mutual Insurance. No show on Thursday, so we bumped uh, Michael up today to uh, look back at the North Florida game, ahead to Niagara, etc. cetera. Uh, first story I saw, though, today, Mike, uh, kind of reading through on the twit, was uh, your piece with uh, Alan Griffin and family. Um, kind of neat, the, and I don't – you can – tease it or spoil it however you'd like to, to share but uh, you, you came across something special there uh, yeah I thought so too it was a tremendous story of uh, Alan Griffin and how he was uh, reunited with family that he had I think he knew he had but kind of forgotten and uh, he had been estranged from from a long for a long long time and uh, and the way it happened is just amazing um, and he told well he was he was gracious enough to sit down with me and um, and, and talk about it, and then we called, we brought some some family in. But it all started with an email when he was a sophomore here playing at Syracuse. And yeah, if you have a chance today to go to Syracuse dot com or um, just a heads up, it'll be in tomorrow's newspaper. Uh, so delivered to your door or available at newsstands near you. Uh, it's, it's a nice story, and Alan was uh, really super and gracious, and we talked about it, and, and uh, it's pretty neat. Yeah, it's great. I enjoy stories like that. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, Alan's a, a father, but his kids don't uh, live here with him all the time, and I just heard somebody ask him the other day about, uh, you know, when will he see them, and he's just excited to talk about, who, you know, who was coming and going for, for Christmas yeah. and the little bit of break of time that they get, the, the team. Uh, went immediately into break after the game on Saturday, uh, two, three days off for practice. Uh, they have for years and years practiced on Christmas night, and, and that is again going to be the case this year going into a game against Niagara on uh, December 28th, which is a Saturday night of next week at 7 o'clock uh, tip time. We'll get into that uh, here in a moment. But uh, Mike did the piece, You can, and we would encourage you to get to it at uh, Syracuse.com or even that actual printed newspaper, which is uh, – a nice treat to have, especially if you've got a little uh, downtime. You can kind of lay out uh, in your uh, jammies and slippers and read the paper. I uh, hope everybody gets a chance to uh, to kick their feet up here over the next uh, couple of days. It's a 23 and Me story before we had any of that stuff. Right. It, rem- <laughs> it reminds me a little bit of, I had a flashback while reading it, of that documentary that I think started going out. And I probably watched it about a year ago. This time, The Three Identical Strangers which I would yeah, recommend anybody I watch, uh, you know, if you got an hour to kill or hour and a half. And, uh, again, we won't get sidetracked on it, but, uh, you know, guy goes to college, bumps into somebody, hey, I, I think I might be your brother, and then they run into another, you know, so uh, very similar uh, beginnings to that story that uh, Mike has about uh, Alan Griffin and a brother. Okay, uh, the North Florida game. I started the show here quickly, Michael, by saying, you know, hey, Oakland, North Florida – garnered a lot of reaction you know from the people that we read reaction from i guess hey geez they should be blowing these guys out and i i said that's ignorant of a couple of things one is that you probably don't know a whole lot about oakland or north florida or niagara it's our job to research the other teams and to know that stuff it's not the fans job so i don't blame anybody but you don't really know what you're talking about generally speaking and 
Syracuse isn't good enough to be annihilating teams at this time of year, so it it's just not happening. I agree. Um, you know, it does sometimes help to pay attention to just how good or or what kind of style of play the opponent is going to put out there. In the case of North Florida, they play differently than a lot of teams. Uh, they are totally devoted to the three pointer. They don't have a single starter taller than six foot seven. And one of the six foot seven starters is their leading scorer who takes a boatload of threes. They all take threes. Um, that's what they have to do. Greg Campy at Oakland is a tremendous coach. He's done a remarkable job there. This isn't one of his better teams, although he does have a couple of big kids inside. And we know how much trouble Syracuse has been having this season with teams that can put a big man in there that's able to score. And Oakland actually had two. Uh, one 6'11", 240. The other one is 6'7", 260. Basically, as a defensive end masquerading as a basketball player. So, tough matchups for Syracuse. And I agree with you about the latter part. This isn't the Syracuse team of, of like vintage earlier this decade or from the 2000s uh, or the 1980s. This is a young, developing team with some issues some things that they're trying to get better at, they're not going to blow anybody off the court right now, no matter who it is, North Florida or Florida State. They did do uh, blow out both Bucknell and Georgia Tech. Those were games where everything went right. Tech, uh, yeah, Tech was amazing. That, that game, as we all know, I mean, Elijah Hughes came out and made everything he put up for about six minutes, and Georgia Tech was done for the day. <laughs> yeah, just uh, took their will away, and, and the Bucknell game, uh, similar. Uh, you know, Syracuse yeah. at home couldn't miss, and, and uh, next thing you know, it's uh, it's a steamrolling, uh, you know, and a runaway uh, from an overmatched uh, team. And so yeah. uh, we also should point out that Oakland, uh, you know, they had a couple of transfers out of their program uh, after last year going into this season that they did not anticipate, and they probably were their two best players. Greg Campy kept saying over and over, if I had those guys, I'm a top 40 or top 50 team with absolute tournament aspirations. Now they're going to have to hustle a little bit, but it wouldn't be stunning to see Oakland and North Florida at the top of their conferences come March. Yeah, he told me too after the game that um, if he had those two kids, he made this game, he scheduled it, asked Jim Beheim for the game when he thought he had those two kids that you mentioned. And then they transfer out. And he's like, I never would have scheduled this game had I known I was going to come in here with seven freshmen and a bunch of new guys. And he said, I would have scheduled totally differently to get my team ready for Horizon League play. So if you look at his schedule, Syracuse wasn't the only major conference team he's playing. It is just not scheduled for his team. In a way, it's a lot similar to what Syracuse is going through. This has not really been the schedule you would prescribe for a team that has lost four starters off the previous year, um, has four in, uh, five incoming freshmen, and no seniors. So, yeah, yeah, Oakland and Syracuse are kind of both in the same situation there on two different levels, mid-major and major. The difference is by who had the choice and who didn't. You know, Syracuse, <laughs> yes, you know, the major programs, they're the ones who tend to dictate scheduling, except that you know, Syracuse didn't have anything to say about the format that put them against the best defensive team in the country in the opening game of the season. And then 
you know, instead of just any other Big Ten team, they get the one with the best big man in the conference, and and you know that <laughs> that type of thing, and that that's sort of uh, how it worked out. Or you know, this is the year that Penn State is loaded with a couple of seniors and and uh, some veteran uh, inside presence that uh, just was not a great matchup uh, for Syracuse. So anyway, that's uh, the past, and uh, now this is a team that's two games over five hundred going into its final non-conference game of the year. Uh, we'll get into the Niagara matchup in a bit with Mike Waters uh, from Syracuse.com and the Post Standard brought to us, as always, by Oswego County Mutual Insurance. And what other takeaways did you have, Mike, uh, coming off of the North Florida game? You know, this is a game where five double-figure uh, scores contributed. Coach Beheim was uh, effusive in his praise after the game of Quincy Garrier, and that's probably the first time uh, that that's been the case. Garrier had 10 points and seven boards. Yeah, he's been uh, like a miser in terms of his uh, compliments for Quincy. Um, I remember the game down in New York when Quincy had 13 points and 10 rebounds, and Jim was asked about him after the game, and he said, well, he gave up four three-pointers. Um, and until he gets better on defense, he's not going to help. We're like, wow, a double-double. <laughs> but uh, the game he had against North Florida, first of all, they really needed somebody off the bench to help them to do something. He had... Uh, three starters play the entire game. So Quincy's 15 minutes, giving them 10 points, seven boards, and he did what the coaches want him to do. He didn't take a single three-pointer. Great. He went in and he got offensive rebounds. Four of his seven rebounds are on the offensive end. Fantastic. And then he goes right back up. And with his size and strength, he goes up. If he draws a foul, he's still got a really good chance that he's going to make the shot as well. Um, and, you know, his strength and, and his aggressiveness is different than O'Shea Brissett. We talked for two years about how O'Shea couldn't finish around the rim, how he had very few and-one opportunities. I think Quincy the other night might have had more and-one opportunities than O'Shea would have had in a month. <laughs> That's so true. Got to be a better free-throw shooter now. This. We'll work on the free-throw. Yeah. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> They'll get there. Baby steps, Matt. Baby no, I understand. <laughs> no, you're right. The, the first thing is getting to the line and, and making it matter. And I think he was 6 of 10 uh, from the, the line in that game. So if that becomes even 7, 8 of 10, you're you're adding a little margin there. And uh, that helps everything, you know, everybody concerned. This is a team and that doesn't. You've made the bucket already. You've already got two points. And right. Regardless of whether you make the bucket or make your free throw, it's a foul on the other team and probably a foul on the other team's big men, which is going to help Syracuse if you start getting the other team's big men into foul trouble some way, somehow, because you're not getting the other team's big men in foul trouble by feeding your low post guy with a set play. Brahma's just not that type of player. Neither really is Marek inside. If Marek goes to the line quite a bit, but a lot of it is he does his shot fakes on his 10 to 12 footer. He puts the guy up in the air and then Marek's graded, just waiting for that guy to come down to earth and draw on the foul. So uh, it's nice to have a big guy inside who can, can add to the foul trouble for the other team's front court. Dolajai actually was perfect at the line, uh, seven for seven in the uh, North Florida game. And I think Joe Girard probably deserves the most credit for it. But a lot of people pass and look for their teammates. Uh, Dolezal would be second on the list. Elijah Hughes probably third in terms of playmaking and facilitating, but they take care of the ball, Mike. Uh, you know, Obviously, four turnovers in Saturday's game, that's off the charts, but uh, for the most part, they're going to need to do that, keep the turnovers low because of 
their issues with rebounding, that type of thing. They don't have quite the shot blocker that they have in years past. So in terms of uh, evening out the number of possessions or having an advantageous number of possessions, uh, they've got to be careful with the other stuff. You're absolutely right. Um, If you're not good at something and there's only so much better you can get at it, because, like Jim said the other day, you're not adding pounds to Barama. You're not becoming a good low post. So there's going to there's gonna be issues. Okay, well then let's find what you are good at and accentuate that. Focus yourself that and maybe even get better at what you're good at. Um, you know, so limiting turnovers, having facilitators on this team. This team is totally different than, than a year ago. The assist numbers are amazing now. But it's because you have shooters and you have a few more guys who – move the ball rather than having it when they when it goes to them it sticks in their hands now Tyus Battle listen he was fantastic and he did exactly what Jim Beheim and the staff wanted him to do but you couldn't really you wouldn't describe him as a facilitator when he got the ball first thing he was doing was seeing what he could do with it to see if he could score O'Shea was the same way we know Frank struggled his senior year with the foot injury and so he wasn't creating for people anymore but now all of a sudden you have Joe Girard, who's a willing passer and is always looking for the shooters. You get more assists when you throw the ball to a Buddy Beheim or an Elijah Hughes because they go right up with a three. Right. And so you get an assist. That's great. But you mentioned the turnover numbers. They, they keep those turnovers down. That's going to help them um, because you're creating more offensive possessions, which result in at least a shot. And a shot, whether it's made or missed, is better than a turnover. Absolutely. And uh, it's mandatory when you don't rebound. And uh, they haven't shown that they're going to rebound with anybody. So if you're going to be out-rebounded, is it by 2? Is it by 5? Is it by 15? And those things all matter in terms of the the number of possessions you get and and what you're able to to do with them. So uh, that's important stuff. Okay, next up is uh, Niagara, and uh, we know the – uh, unusual and unfortunate circumstances that led to Greg Paulus getting his uh, first head coaching job, but he comes in age uh, 33 back to his hometown on Saturday night. Yeah, you know, which is, you know, great. Maybe some local folks are going to turn out to see Greg and support him. It's been a tough go of it so far. Uh, when Patrick Beeline took the job this year, he took it knowing that it, this was a total rebound, rebuild in a place that struggled to have any success recently. They knew it wasn't going to be a, a great year. So uh, Niagara's off to a 2-8 and eight start. The one interesting thing is, is one of their wins I never would have expected. Right. They beat Colgate. Yes, in overtime. I, this is a pretty good Colgate team. And so that's one of the two wins. I think the other one's against Norfolk. But, you know, the other thing, too, is like you talk about a brutal opening schedule. You know, here you are, you're a brand-new coach, and you're taking over it like like weeks before the start of the season. And his first three games are at Drexel, at Rutgers, and at Stephen F. Austin. <laughs> Man, that is one Talk sick about a road person. Trip. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whoever designed that schedule. Uh, you know, and then he came home for one and went on the road for another one. Um, so, in fact, I think two more. I think five of his first six games were on the road. So, pity poor Greg. Uh, this is actually going to be his fourth consecutive road game. Um, after you know losing to Albany, losing to St. Bonaventure, losing to Buffalo, he's got to come to Syracuse. Um, Syracuse wins this one. Hopefully, more of the young kids, the bench, can get in. You know, we we were hoping that these three games leading into the restart of conference play was going to be a time for that. 
Bryson Goodine hasn't gotten into either of the last two games, and Jesse Edwards didn't play against North Florida. You know, Jim Beheim mentioned after the North Florida game, the reason he did is North Florida's playing all these small guys who are shooting, and Jesse, with the center's responsibilities in the zone, including having to get out to the corner, Jesse wasn't ready for that. He said it would have been unfair to put him out there, but it was another game where Jesse didn't get in. And so, you know, they needed that time. So they basically have one more game uh, to try to get it. Bryson, Jesse, Quincy, uh, some, some court time and get them ready. Cause right after that, man, it's, it's Notre Dame and Virginia tech at the dome. Yeah. And I think you'll see that in this game. This one, we know going in should be more lopsided than the last couple. And I know it's uh, similar to how I opened up the, the show. They're not going to blow anybody out. Well, Niagara is on the lower end of uh, the opposition here in terms of uh, overall talent and, and what they've accomplished uh, so far this year. This is one where uh, it would be a little more likely uh, to uh, figure there'll be some uh, breathing room. Uh, Buffalo just beat them by 20. Bonaventure beat them by uh, 17 the game uh, prior to that. Uh, we will see what it's like, uh, certainly, in this one, see if there is an opportunity to uh, kind of get the bench into it a little bit, and then it is on into uh, ACC play from there. Michael, we thank you uh, for your time. As always, uh, Merry Christmas to uh, you and yours. Safe travels. Right? You, did I hear you say you're traveling or no? I will be traveling okay. after, after Christmas, um, okay. so uh, you will not see me at the Niagara game. Right. I get one off, and uh, but so Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, because I won't see you till the Notre Dame game. Okay, sounds good. We'll be there. Always Back a pleasure, a, though, Matt. Thanks ACC for having me play. on. You bet, Michael, and uh, thank you, Mike Waters from uh, Syracuse.com, the uh, Orange Basketball beat writer, and do check out his story uh, at Syracuse.com now, uh, in the newspaper, tomorrow in the Post Standard, if you'd like to check it out. The story of Alan Griffin finding his brother while he was in college uh, here at uh, Syracuse and just kind of the twist of fate that uh, allowed that to happen. More to come for us here on Orange. All right, on Orange. What is this? In the booth. See, when you live in a ni- world of a 90-minute pregame show and you have like, three of them a week and you, that's, you kind of feel like a, a zombie walking uh, through that on a regular basis. This so is got, Orange in the booth, kind of. Yeah, ish. Ish. It works. Orange Nation was the uh, previous show. But uh, we are in the booth. It is brought to you by the Hoffman Sausage Company. We'll do Do We Care. Uh, we can sneak in a phone call if you'd like to join us on the Burdick Toyota guest line later in the program. This is In the Booth. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk and ESPN Radio 97.7 at 100.1. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait. The other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care Don't care Marshawn Lynch and the Seattle Seahawks are optimistic about a reunion after Chris Carson suffered a fractured hip that will end his season. You know, this requires a guy to stay in phenomenal shape that hasn't been playing. Running back, as I understand it, would be among the easier positions to pop in off the street and play, provided you're in shape. It's not like he needs to be... And it's the organization he's been with, so it's not like he needs to be uh, overly coached up on the plays or whatever. They they tell him what hole to hit and go for it. Uh, it's not like he's a speed back either. So even right. if he did gain a little weight and there's a little out of shape, he'll just use his muscle that I'm sure he still has. In theory, uh, and he's you know certainly a motivated guy, and I would imagine has has kept in shape. Uh, but uh, who knows? He, there's a certain type of player and Lynch is probably in that category that just assume they could keep playing for a while what 
really holds them back is the wear and tear and the length of the season, the the preseason, whatever. I mean, the rest of the Seahawks are are 15, 16 games into it now, given uh, when you count the, the preseason involved, plus the practices and the bye week and all that stuff. And uh, for Marshawn Lynch maybe to coast in here at the end, maybe there is some applicability to it. It's a heck of a spot to be uh, plugged into and come back into the NFL because he is going to be playing for the NFC West title next week against the Niners. A big game going right into a big role. He'll probably be the starting running back, probably get the bulk of the carries. Better not fumble. Right, and you're right. He ha- this is a familiar situation for him with the Seahawks, with Russell Wilson at quarterback. But still, even for a guy that has that experience, that is a tough spot to come into. Matt, yeah, well, intriguing. So Matt Schneidman, uh, a Daily Orange guy, yes. graduated a couple years ago. He used to be the uh, beat writer for the Oakland Raiders when Marshawn was with the Raiders. He's now with the Green Bay Packers. But he said that Marshawn Lynch was serving tequila shots at a parking lot tailgate in Oakland eight days ago for the Raiders' last game. Doesn't surprise me. Right. No, it doesn't at all. But it's a great storyline. It's going to be cool. I'm, it, I think it got flexed to Sunday Night Football, so that's an even another storyline for Alan and Chris to talk about. It should be an exciting game now. Even even without this, it was going to be an exciting game. Uh, we'll move on to more NFL news. And this was kind of... For Brian, I, I, I didn't know Brian was going to be here today, but Eli Manning and Daniel Jones, they celebrated their overtime win against the Redskins by playing Flip Cup at a local bar. It's pretty cool. It was a funny video. That, was, uh, that wasn't a road game, was it? It was. It, it was, was in Washington. I'm not sure if they made, came, were able to go so, back to yeah, New York was, and then go I out. I started to it. hesitate. Yeah, I'm trying to think where, where it was or it why, was they would, why they would do that. But, uh, yeah, because the, the Jets were at home, but it was different. It doesn't matter, but yep. uh, it was the overtime uh, win. Now I do remember uh, picturing it uh, being in Washington. Now, uh, yeah, good for them. And just saw a little video, and it looks like your typical college bar yeah. scenario. Eli, uh, you know, in his uh, usual Eli attire and everything is he's making it rain by throwing napkins up in the air and whatever. It looks like they had a good time, and and they ought to be able to kind of blow off a little steam just like everybody else. And in a big time upset, Eli. Finish his flip cup before Daniel Jones did. He oh, I think his... Eli's a sneaky partier. Really? Yeah. Wow. That would be I sneaky mean, I don't if think he is. I don't think you're talking about, uh, you know, the guys at the far end of the spectrum in that that regard here. The, these guys, these two guys are pretty buttoned up, as the quarterback of the New York Giants should be. Sure. Um, and another one here. Wizards guard Isaiah Thomas. He was suspended two games for going up into the stands, which is a rule in the NBA. You're not able to, under any circumstance, go up into the stands. But he was telling two fans to not be disrespectful after he heard the fans yelling F-U-B while emphatically showing that they're his number one fan or he he's their number one favorite player. Uh, the fans said they did this because they really wanted the free Frosty, which all fans get at a 76ers game, if someone misses both free throws in the second half. Yeah, this is a big bowl of wrong for everybody involved. I, I don't like that promotion. A lot of teams have it now. That was something that was, I know, proposed at one point uh, here at Syracuse, and it didn't happen. If the opposing player misses two free throws at a given time, and it sounds like it's here in the, the second half of a, a 76ers game, then everybody in the, the crowd wins something. I, I don't like, you know, you can root against the other team and whatever, and you can root for your team, but I, I don't like the promotion, especially in college, that is tied toward the failure of an opposing player, a visiting player. This is just childish on and everybody's uh, respect here. Go buy a stinking Frosty, dude, for 
79 cents or whatever it is. And I understand you get into the spirit of it. The yelling at the players, the flipping them off is just a joke. And then I've, I've never been one. I don't understand why that people that intrigues them or that appeals to them as part of being a fan. And then the walking up into the stands is obviously insane. You just can't do it. It's not safe for the player or for the fans. It's a bad habit all the way around. Uh, I did see video of it. He came quietly, fairly peacefully, but yeah. still, it's a professional athlete. Now, it's a five foot four professional athlete, but <laughs> right. it's still a professional athlete walking up into the stands. Uh, nothing good comes from any of this stuff. Surprised that a guy who's been in the league for that long, and I'm sure has actually heard this before, maybe not in this same circumstance, but has heard same language before to take it that seriously. Yeah, and it's it's one of the reasons that they get paid. It's the difference between the guy who's good at your local gym and a pro. And uh, it's part of what you put up with. So it's not what I would do as a fan. I think it's, again, silly in every angle here, but uh, it comes with the territory that uh, you're going to be booed when you're a visiting player. Right. And that, especially in Philadelphia. It's a little where, different than booing, but sure. It, it yeah, is, it's, yeah, more than booing. Yeah, yeah. But... Uh, Especially in Philadelphia, I would go that far as to say that's a place that prides itself on being super sarcastic, yes. super caustic uh, toward visiting players and uh, and meatheaded, and then there's strength in numbers in the meatheadedry. I mean, the, the idea that, oh, you know, it, I'm going to be the one who gets attention by yelling at the player or making a miss and getting our frosty and, and whatever. So, uh, bad deal for everybody involved. Uh, I saw somebody sort of praising, oh, look how peacefully Isaiah Thomas... No, you don't peacefully go on the stand. You don't go on the stands, period. That's why they have security people and some other stuff. Number one, he should be suspended. He is. Uh, the fans involved, I guess, are, are banned from the Wells Fargo Center. Uh, that's appropriate, too. So Really? But yeah, I would put everybody on ice here for but a little while. don't you think it's the reaction that really is what got them? Because this is said probably in every single game, especially in Philly. Yeah, but you're— And it's the reaction that's really got them kicked out for two— What for, is wrong with people? Why would you do that? You know, I just— it's a little over the top, but it's not. Yeah, it's especially not like people like good a, seats at a sporting and, event. It's just a goober kind of thing. I just, you know, if there are kids around, it it it's just unnecessary uh, for everybody involved. So uh, maybe I'm being a little cranky about it, but uh, so I, you I do just, think the 12 months of being banned from Wells Fargo? I mean, that might was, be a little harsh, you yeah. know, especially when it. I don't know if it involves when you're saying the Wells Fargo Center is at the arena. I mean, they can't go to a Flyers game. They can't go. To, I would assume so. Know, so that's probably a little much. I, I would say you know, the rest of the season or just stick it or don't sit in these seats or whatever. But the idea that that, you know, and I know you and I come from different perspectives as far as being a fan, mm-hmm. that anybody feels like that that's part of what being a fan is, to me, is a joke. It's and, over the top, but it's yeah. in the, it's still, it's in the same yeah, room of being a fan. It's, it's definitely it's, over the top. Okay. You know, and you think it's a little more over top than I do, I guess. Yes. I think this is, I think this is said probably almost every sporting, every SU game, you sit. I bet you hear yeah. it once in a while from fans well, behind you. Maybe it's a little loud, but this I would is say the people, who, the people who sit closer to where we are, you know, in media seating, they're more grown up, sure, than people that would yell this. And this guy, you know, based on the video I saw, he's in the first or second row behind the basket. Those are typically seats that you need to be a grown up to afford uh, in an NBA venue, and grown ups don't tend to yell stuff like this. Uh, again, not a hard and fast rule, but that, that's part of it. Let's get our final break out of the way. Wrap it up with uh, more Drek on the other side in the booth. Brought to you by the Hoffman Sausage Company on ESPN Radio Syracuse. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk and ESPN Radio 97.7 at 100.1. 
In the Booth with Matt Park is brought to you by Hoffman Sausage Company. Folks, we are out of time for the week. Do encourage you to pick up some Hoffman in your travels. Maybe uh, pigs in a blanket. They've got some recipes online if you'd like to uh, check that out for uh, your, just throw a little curveball, something new into the uh, routine come the uh, holidays. I think pigs in a blanket, uh, make that part of your uh, standing around the snack table. Pound for pound, situation. best appetizer. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> See, I'm trying to do a good thing for the sponsor. <laughs> <if> you... <laughs> We're going to do a whole show, maybe maybe Friday, if we, that'll, that'll get my spirits up to do the show, or any show, show we have here can be a year-end. We need to do your ridiculous takes exposed. Tommy's takes exposed show. I, I like don't know that. what you're talking about. It's going to be a short show then. It's hard for me to keep a straight face. But anyway, I was encouraging people to buy the sausage. Do what you want to do. You can buy the sausage because you like it. You can buy the sausage because of Tommy's idea. You can buy it to surprise somebody. Just do, do what you need to do while you're out there. Keep it safe and healthy. Everybody have a happy uh, Christmas and New Year and all that stuff. We'll probably talk to you before the New Year. I think we're doing a show on Friday and then uh, first part of next week. But uh, happy holidays to one and all ESPN radio programming coming up next.